five years and seven days later, I checked off the last thing on that list. I had 30 employees, almost 500 clients, making way more money, married, kid, like the whole thing. Everything happened. Adam Scheibly is a full-time podcaster and consultant and the host of the top-ranked podcast, Podcasting Business School, and the Podcast Monetization Tips Podcast. He helps frustrated podcasters to stop hearing crickets and start making money, even if they have a small audience. Wait a minute, I know a thing or two about that. But did you know that he grew his first business in the health industry? Not as a coach, but as a gym owner and competitive strongman? If he was having success in an arena he knew well, why the change to podcasting? As I started podcasting and as my children started to grow up, I was like, I don't see this gym lifestyle and the, the dad lifestyle I want to live coexisting. In this interview, I asked Adam about the details that paint a clear picture of how he rose through the ranks in the health field and how he turned his love for podcasting into his passion and main source of income. Pivoting is probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever do as an entrepreneur. And on this interview, we pull no punches. Adam got you covered. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault, available only to our TG insiders. In the full version, Adam shares his full entrepreneurial journey starting at childhood, and you won't believe the jobs that he thought up for himself. He also shares his views on hiring your kids in your business, his best mindset trick that you won't want to miss, and so much more. Become a TGP insider today and get the full story at theglobalphenomenon.com slash insider. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while considering a big pivot in your business yourself, come on over to the Facebook group and tell us about it. In our community called Coaches Helping Coaches, you'll find a helpful group that is here for you completely for free. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook and we'll see you there. Also, please remember to go to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the podcast monetization coach for you, Adam Shively. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career that has taken the world by storm, creating multiple self-made millionaires and opening the doors for regular folks like you and me to achieve our wildest dreams. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach for online coaches ready to live a rich, passionate, and abundant life without regrets. And I'm on a mission to uncover the secret sauce that made the top coaches in our industry rise to global phenomenon status so that you can be next. Today's episode begins now. Today, I am talking to my friend, Adam Shively. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the Global Phenomenon Podcast. Ina, 
I have to compliment you. You crushed my last name. There's a lot of vowels in there and you really nailed it. So uh, we're off to a great start. I'm very excited about this. I, I am known for doing my research, but I knew how to pronounce your name because you did a great job at training me the very first time that we met. So I never forgot it. It's very easy. You guys, everybody listening, don't even look at what his name looks like. Just imagine Shively and however you would spell that, that's how you're going to imagine his name. Pro tip. Okay. Adam, please tell everybody who you help right now and what you help them with. Yes, I help frustrated podcasters learn how to leverage their podcast to grow their brand, grow their show, to get rid of the crickets and start making some dang money as a service provider, even if you got a small audience. That's who I focus on. I love it. I love the small audience part right there. Okay, Adam, can you please just take me back to tell everybody where you were born, where you were raised? Like, what was little Adam like? Little Adam was born in 1980 in Bloomington, Indiana. And um, I've always been an entrepreneur, which is always kind of cool. Like, I, I, I was very entrepreneurial to the point where I would organize uh, handmade, uh, like, thank you cards and holiday cards. I'd, I'd get my little uh, you know, distribution channel of other six-year-olds and six to eight-year-olds, really the neighborhood kids. And we'd handcraft cards. I was in charge of the money, of course. I would send them out. There were certain houses we liked to hit, other houses we'd avoid. And uh, we'd go with these handmade cards and sell them for like a dollar. And I would you know, give everybody their cut. And we had pretty good hustle going on as six-year-olds. Okay, no, hold on. Where were your parents here? They were around, they encouraged, they always encouraged me to be creative and entrepreneurial. And they made sure that I like paid everybody and everything too. It wasn't like Adam keeps all the money and no one else gets anything. Um, but yeah, like we had walkie talkie system going on. Like, did you hit the Holden's house yet? And you know, all this different, you know, we had, it was very strategic and that's just kind of how I've always been. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird thinking back, but it's just kind of at the essence of who I am. What do you remember from your relationship with your parents back then? This is a great question because one of my clients just hit me up because he's doing uh, his 100th episode and he wants to talk about relationships with, with parents and fathers. So I just sent him some audios. This is very top of mind. But I remembered a story from my dad and he uh, is a retired pharmacist now, but he was a, a pharmacist. And back in the day, your pharmacist was kind of like your doctor, like you had a pharmacist. It wasn't like I go to the drugstore and whoever's there is there. Like you had a person that you went to. And I remember he would take me to basketball practice and we would be done with basketball practice. And it'd be like eight or nine o'clock at night. And he'd have all these bags of medicine in his truck. And we would drive around after practice and he would drop off bags of medicine to his, uh, his customers that couldn't physically get to his pharmacy. So people that were in like wheelchairs or people that just didn't have a car or people that were really sick or for whatever reason. And that always stuck with me. And as somebody that's a service provider, I was like, that is customer service. So that was something that really stuck out to me. What do you feel like was your, was the one thing that your father always made sure that you knew? Was that like a lesson that he always kept hammering in your head over and over? I think it's like showing up and doing the right thing, which is always a good lesson. But on top of that, he was on me like financially about stuff. And like my, my parents made me pay for things as a mm -hmm. kid. Uh, one of the greatest lessons that I learned, one of the best parenting moves he made that I'm going to do with my kids 
he made me pay for my first vehicle, my own money, work for it, mowing lawns, help me figure all that out, how to make money. And then he's like, you, you're 10, you got six, you know, you're eight years to, to save up until you get your license. If you mow X amount of lawns per summer, you'll have enough money. So then all of a sudden I'm figuring it out. And I bought a 1987 Ford Lariat truck that was ugly blue with an ugly tan camper, but it was mine. I paid for it in cash and I took care of that thing. When all my friends whose parents bought them brand new BMWs, you know, wrecked them, the totaled them, trashed them, didn't have, and those, you know, I'm not gonna name any names, but a lot of those kids still living with their parents. <laughs> like they're, they're the 30 or 40 year olds that haven't moved out yet because their parents kind of just paid for everything. And so I'm glad that my parents made me, uh, it's kind of like the quote that you hear, uh, hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. And I think that they made me make hard choices earlier on and that helped me develop an easier life later on. Can I ask you about that? Because I'm starting to see a parallel between that and creating good habits. Because if they were teaching you from so many years in advance to, hey, start saving for your car now, you had to have developed kind of a vision for where you were going and creating kind of like a why you were doing the thing then. As a kid, though, like this, you know, here we are talking in our 40s about something that happened 30 years ago. But as a kid, how did you internalize that? Do you remember feeling like, oh, that is just so far away. This is a drag. Or were you starting to develop that kind of like habit awareness? Well, I think it really helped me to have that goal that my my dad, who I trusted, helped me set for me. And then because I see it like my kids now, like, they're saving money. We're doing the same thing. And we meet each month and I go over like how much money they have and what, but I always have to be like, what is the next thing you're saving for? Cause if it's just saving money, they don't care. And they have no, like, they're not out there buying groceries for themselves or anything like that. So they have no, no concept of what money really is, but they both bought their own iPads. They both, and they take care of them. Like you see all these kids that crack their screens and all this stuff. So they know they got to pay for it if they crack it. So it's just a different deal. So I think having that set goal always to work for financially and it just motivated me. My dad saw me as a goal driven kid with sports where he's like, Hey, if you want to dunk a basketball one day, you need to exercise and get your legs stronger and practice. And I would, and he would like look up things to do and, and I would do them. And he had a proven track record to help me achieve these little micro goals. So why wouldn't I trust him when it's like, Hey, it's time to save up for your car. Here's how much you need to save. All right. Let's do it. But I think that was the key for me. Wow. It wasn't just saving money to, for saving money's purpose. Like he wasn't like, and if you invest in your IRA, you'll be a millionaire by 65. <laughs> like I wouldn't care at that point. That's way too far in advance. But a big thing like a car, that's pretty cool to a 10 year old kid. Like that's the first sense of freedom. I need to, I need you to fast forward a little bit for me because as in my research of researching your story, um, you know, you actually went on to become a pretty successful transformation coach and personal trainer before the podcasting world came around. And the way that your story began with that was you explaining that, you know, you were just out of college, weighing 327 pounds. And, you know, and we're going to go through like your, your actual transformation from that point. But before we do that, 
I want to know how a kid who has, is developing discipline, who is developing all these skills, who is sporty, who's like out there, like, you know, taking the world by storm. How did you wind up in that situation where you decided like, you know, what, I need to make changes in my life, not to make any, any like mention about, you know, your, your weight necessarily, but like, it seemed like if that's the beginning of a transformation story, it seems like, you know, it's probably not exactly where you want it to be. So how do you go from what we're talking about now to that point? Yeah. So sporty kid, varsity athlete, you know, all conference basketball player, senior year, I graduate, I graduate high school. I was around around 200 pounds, you know, athletic six foot three, whatever. Um, stopped playing basketball in college. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went to school to get my exercise uh, physiology, my exercise kinesiology degrees, I wanted to be a strength coach. So I wanted to help athletes perform better, get stronger. I started competing in strength sports uh, that you see on TV, like where they're throwing the trees and doing the, the heavy lifting. And, you know, I did Highland Games powerlifting, a little bit of strongman. Like and you were like the, the guy that like, like, like the, lifts, the, lifts, the stones the, and yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh. So, so in that sport, it is advantageous to weigh more. So yeah. I, I was like, all right, I'm gonna put on 20 pounds. So freshman year, 220 pounds, no big deal. But I, the combination of kind of getting into weight gain mode, heavy strength training, and not playing basketball, not getting as many calories burned, I put on 20 pounds a year throughout college. So by, by the time I graduate college, I'm 275 pounds, and then put on more weight the next two years after college. So I ended up weighing 327 pounds at the, at the very top, very strong, uh, top level strength athlete, but not healthy at all. Like just mm -hmm. like too much body fat. And, and I just reached a point where I was like, I don't like being this large, I'm going to lose weight. And that's where my whole business, I was working with athletes and doing strength coaching. And, and I kind of got burnt out on that. And I was like, I want to help people get healthy. I need to start by getting healthy myself. So went on my, my hundred pound weight loss journey and, and that kind of shifted things. And before we even get there, cause I mean, we don't just wake up one day weighing 327 pounds and say, I think I'm going to transform my life over the next five years. Right. Was there a particular trigger, something that happened that just like flipped the switch in your mind? Like what was different from the day before to the day that you decided to do this? Um, well, I was in a serious relationship with a fine young woman that is now my wife. And I What's thought her name? that her name is Marissa. And I was like, I think this is going where I think it's going. And we, I was competing in a, a Scottish Highland Games event in uh, Colorado. And Colorado is at altitude. So when you're at altitude and you weigh 327 pounds, you don't feel so good. And mm -hmm. I remember walking around and just having a hard time getting my breath and just feeling like not an effective human, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And honestly, you know, the sport of Highland Games, you have a lot of equipment and things. I left all of my equipment in the hotel room. I just like burned the ships and said, I'm done with this sport. It's time to get healthy. I'm turning the chapter in my life. I'm going to create a stronger relationship with this woman. We're going to start a family and I need to be around for that family. So it's time to make health a priority and thinking long-term. Let's talk a little bit about that because this is a part that gets extremely impressive, which is it wasn't just, I think I'm just going to go on a diet. It was you developed a five-year plan and mapped out 
you what that journey was going to look like, like knowing that it's going to be hard, knowing that you have to take the baby steps. You had a lifestyle rehab statement that you read every single night. Can you just please tell us about what setting up that process was like? Yeah. So as I started to research, like just making that mental shift and getting healthier, uh, this was the time that the DVD back in the age of DVDs, uh, the secret, the law of attraction came out. Yeah. So I ended up watching that. And that was the first time I've ever, ever been in front of personal growth material, like ever. The only reading I did was like sports illustrated swimsuit, swimsuit edition. Like that was the reading mm -hmm. that I would do. I wasn't worried about anything else. So it was just new. And I was like, wow, this is really refreshing that I can control what happens in my life. I'm not just aimlessly floating around. So I sat down and I wrote out uh, my statement that I wanted to find a definite purpose in my life. And I set the date, which was five years from the day that I wrote it. And I wrote out goals, but I wrote them as if they had already been accomplished. And then I committed to reading that statement out loud and believing it and putting emotion into it every day uh, until either all the goals were accomplished or that date passed. And these were things like, I want a 5,000 square foot training studio. I want to have a hundred clients. I want to have 10 employees. I want to make X amount of money. I want to be married. I want to have a family. And over that five years, being the, from going from the 327 pound, just crap magnet of a person, like not, not a lot of good stuff going on. Five, five years and seven days later, I checked off the last thing on that list. I was seven days late on, on opening up my studio, which was actually 8,000 square feet instead of 5,000 square feet. And I had a hundred people there waiting for me at 6 a.m. And um, I had 30 employees, almost 500 clients, making way more money, married, kid, like the whole thing, everything happened. And I don't believe it happened because... I sat there on my butt wishing it to happen. I think sitting there doing my affirmations every day focused me in so that I put in action every single day to make all that stuff happen. Uh, yeah. So pretty crazy. Uh, seven days off on the, on the goal that I set five days that was just kind of, or five years prior, that was just a blind number, you know, just that I put out there. But um, yeah, pretty crazy that it, it actually, it all happened. Do you think that it takes a particular person to have that kind of discipline? What would you say to someone who's listening right now? Who's like, man, that sounds great for Adam, but I, I have no idea how this would work for me. What do you tell that person? I think the key to me is in my story and the way I tick is I have to find a big enough why. And if, mm. you know, I always tell people whether it's business, weight loss, whatever finances, getting out of debt. If your why is bigger than the sum combined force of all the why nots, you're going to achieve the goal. And so if you are like, I want to make six figures as a service provider, as an online coach. Okay. All the why nots are going to happen. Your family's going to tell you it's dumb. Your, your Instagram account's going to get hacked. Your email lead magnet that you spent 10 years building is going to suck. Like all the things are going to happen. But if your why is big enough, you keep going because that all the why nots don't matter and you just keep going. So for me, 
I always develop that big why. So with that, the health and weight loss journey, I'm imagining the life with my wife, of my kids being there, doing what I'm doing now. I was imagining that, you know, mm -hmm. and that drove me to get up, get my, my big butt on that exercise bike or, you know, eat, you know, push the pizza to the side and eat something healthy instead. And, or with my business, like I have a three day work week now and I make way more money than I ever have in any entrepreneurial venture that I've ever had. And that is a huge why where I'm able to be the dad and coach the teams and take them to school. And, you know, the kids are off school. I'm home. Got it. No problem. My wife has her career. I can be at home and do what I do and still do all the things that I do. But that why drives me even when all the, the crappy why nots happen. Uh, this was another part of your story that I really found fascinating, especially from from a workaholic who always gets pulled into a million different directions, right? You've described this as, you know, like you can take two days off in the entire week, but in the beginning, when you started learning that process of starting to delegate, make sure that your business can work even without you so that you can take two days out of the week off. In the beginning, you explained saying, it was actually hard to figure out what to do with that time because I used to fill that time with work. And now that I'm forcing myself to not work that day, it's like, you wake up and like, what do I do now? Please educate me on what it was like to discover what to do with that time. Okay. So first, like we need to clearly define what we're talking about here. So what we're talking about is working less, like non-work time, non-work days. Mm -hmm. And this is huge. Um, mm -hmm. It's a huge concept that's very important. I feel like so many entrepreneurs are working themselves into an early grave by chasing infinite amounts of income. Mm -hmm. Like they, their goal is make as much money as possible. And my question is, why would you want to do that? Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? To motivate yourself to start taking days off, what I tell people to do is go, like this is an exercise that I do. At kind of towards the end of a year, I go, okay, what is my ideal lifestyle going to cost me next year? Like how much do I need to pay myself? Not just how much does my business bring in, paycheck money to Adam. What do I need to, what do I need to be able to do there? And I estimate that out. And then I go, okay, this is the amount that I need to earn this year. How many hours a week do I need to work to earn that amount? And that's all that I work. So once I do that, I stop working. Like mm -hmm. I already defined ideal. So why would I, do I need more than ideal? Mm -hmm. So that's how I slowly faded from an eight day work week to, you know, six, five, four, now a three day work week. Cause I'm like, okay, like earlier or late last year, I was like, I actually don't need to work on Mondays because I'm not doing that much anymore. And I can just move those three tasks over to Tuesday. And now I don't work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And it's super awesome. Now, once we start taking days off, my, my top recommendation is to take a day off work in the middle of the normal work week mm -hmm. when everybody else is like spouses are gone, kids are at school, because then it forces you to get real. Like you can't distract yourself with all the busy things. There's a lot of parents. The weekend is, is you need a break from the weekend. Like yes. you got sports and activities <laughs> and you're running them everywhere. So I like to have kind of a, some me time during the week when everybody else is, is gone. Yeah. And this is going to force you you have to figure out what you want to learn about. My, my, my days that I'm not working, I'm like, what do I want to learn about? Because I'm, I'm again, goal-driven. How do I fill up this day? So I'm like, I'm as busy or busier on my non-work days than I am 
on my actual entrepreneurial work days, Tuesday, th uh, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I'm learning about cryptocurrency. I'm a basketball coach. I'm learning about like plays and defensive strategies. And I'm, I'm coaching basketball for several hours a week. Uh, I do strength training with my children. I'm cooking all their meals. I've become such a better cook. And like, I make food taste better for the kids. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the only dads to pick up and drop off line hundred percent. I take so much pride in that. Like all the little parent meeting things. I'm like me and all the moms, here we go. Uh, so what do you want to learn about? Like, what are you curious about? Do you want to learn a new language? Maybe you want to learn how to play the guitar or you want to start painting. Like what are all the things that you would want to do if you could do anything that you want? Now there is a honeymoon period where you start taking free days and you sit in your underwear and watch game of Thrones all day. That will happen. That's natural for everybody. <laughs> uh, but once you get past that, then you start going, all right, now, how do I personally develop myself with my, my non-work time? And then the, the beautiful thing that happens, Ina, is that when you do start to work, you are refreshed, you are creative, you are just turned on, dialed in, unstoppable. So I get way more done in three days now than I ever did working 80 hours a week, you know, just stressing myself out. I love it. Well, how now we have to like get back to your story. You have a studio where you're training people, you're a personal trainer, you're a transformation coach, everything is working out. How did you get to the podcasting world? That was, I mean, that was a part of your identity. What yep. was that? Tell me what happened in that shift. So I started listening to podcasts um, in the mid, you know, 2013, 2014. And I always had looked at opportunities. Uh, so I was kind of burning out. I'm like, I can only handle so many in-house clients. I don't want to have a million employees. I didn't like having any employees really. I was like, oh, this is not where I like being. My business just grew so fast. I had to hire people on and delegate. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'd like to expand my impact. I love podcasts. I've got a good radio voice. So let's, let's test this out. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, I, I started recording episodes for what became the million pound mission podcast and just started putting things out there as I'm still a gym owner, still doing all, all the things. And I fell in love with it because I started to build an international audience slowly, very slowly, very painfully. Uh, I made $37 my first three years as a podcaster, really bringing it in, you know, just a little <laughs> bit over 10 bucks a year, you know, we're doing pretty nice. good. Nice. <laughs> nice. So but then I started to figure it out. I started to do online challenges that converted over like my first ever funnel. You're gonna love this, Ina. I did a five-day Facebook live challenge called the Hello Abs Challenge. I was like, I'm going to go live on my Facebook group. I'm going to do a little ab workout. And I'm going to pitch this $37 offer. And because somebody bought my $37 course, that was my first $37 I made. I'm like, ooh, let's figure out how to reverse engineer this. So I did my challenge. I'm like, I'm going to sell the $37 thing at the back edge of this challenge. I sold a hundred and something of those 37. So I made $3,000. I was like, easiest, most fun money I've ever made. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. So then I started to reverse engineer that. I'm like, I need to have a more expensive challenge. So I went to a $97 course. Next time I sold another hundred of those. So I made $10,000 with this little five-day challenge. I'm like, OMG, this is way better than slaving away at the gym all day long. <laughs> so I started to kind of make transition plans eventually uh, at the end of 2019. So I was pod I started my podcast at 2015. So I was doing both for four years mm -hmm. and then transitioned to full-time podcasting at the end of 2019. 
sold my gym and the facility right before the pandemic started, which was a stroke of luck. Wow. Uh, and then I've been full-time ever since 2019 and really faded into the podcasting business school brand because my, all my health podcaster friends started going, I see you doing, you're making money at this, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. Can you help me make money at this? Yes, I can. Uh, can you help me? Cause I did like a half a million downloads with that show. I'm like, can you help me grow it? Like you have, yeah, sure. And people started paying me. And then, you know, the light bulb really went off. I was like, wow, people will pay me so much more to help them make money than they will help them get healthy. It's insane. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense, but facts are facts. I was like, somebody will pay me $5,000. No problem. If I teach them how to make $10,000, they will struggle to pay me $50 a month for a health membership. So right. we need to transition. So after I sold the gym, did the health podcast for a couple more years, then sold that brand. And now I'm full-time podcasting business school, just helping my pod pals. And things are going great. And um, can I just ask you this? Because it seems like, okay, this is a kind of like an idyllic situation, right? Like I am here. I own my gym. I am successful. I find podcasting. I like that better. I'm going to sell my gym before the pandemic. Everything is too idealistic. I want to know, was was it a hard decision to leave your clients to leave the thing you had built over the past decade or so right like what was that decision like yeah i mean it was it was tough it was scary on a couple fronts one i had relationships with those people like over a 5 year period i helped my hometown lose 35000 pounds so tremendous life-changing transformations. I was really damn good at what I did. Mm -hmm. um, but as I started podcasting and as my children started to grow up, I was like, I don't see this gym lifestyle and the, the dad lifestyle I want to live coexisting. Uh, mm -hmm. I, worked, I worked myself into the hospital three different times, passing out, anxiety attacks, um, just having... 500 plus clients and 30 employees. That was never what I wanted. So I kind of started falling out of love with that. Mm. The thing that really pushed me over was I started getting a lot of negative feedback and non-support of my online adventures where we had like the little suggestion box and I would get mean notes like, get the hell off Facebook and get back in the gym. Like wow. people like hating Come on me on. doing things you know, trying to be an online expert to build this online brand and help more people, you know, and I get it. I try to look at other people's perspective. And if you, if you take somebody, if you coach somebody through a life changing health journey, their biggest fear is that they will regain all the weight. And they saw me as the insurance policy. So if they have that fear of losing me, then that makes them act a certain way sometimes. So I get it. So for that person listening right now who has been thinking about starting a podcast but doesn't really know if it's going to be for them, what do you think is like the main thing they really need to know before they dive in? Well, I think to develop your why, if you're a service provider, if you're an online coach, an online consultant, which is, you know, somebody obviously that Ina does a fantastic freaking job with, uh, you know, if she is, if you're in her world, then you're going to be leveling up in that perspective having a podcast could be one of the greatest business superpowers that you could give yourself where you get to be the literal voice of reason and be the expert 
in their ears as often as you would like. So I call it building a community to client bridge. Like you develop expert positioning, you become people's go-to person, their source of information on a certain topic. And you're very top of mind so that when the life circumstance pops up and they're ready to solve a problem and you are the person that, that solves it, you're their person. And it doesn't take a giant audience, but that's the beautiful thing. I've got people that are doing hundred downloads an episode, 500 downloads an episode, not millions or tens of thousands that you hear all these podcasters brag about and a lot of times are lying about, but <laughs> like you, I've got people that are bringing in $10,000 a month in business from their show and they're in the hundred, 200 downloads an episode. So that is the first piece of it to develop the why, but you also have to realize this may be one of the hardest things you've ever done. Mm -hmm. Because if you're starting from zero subscribers, zero Instagram followers, zero email list, you're going to have to put in reps and you're going to have to build this brand out and it's going to be piece by piece. You're not going to go viral. You're not going to be Joe Rogan. Uh, you're, you know, you're not going to be overnight famous for the most part but you can build something real. It took me three years to make $37. It took me five years to transition and go full time. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard, but I saw what was possible. And the good news is that the life and the lifestyle and the income and the impact that I'm experiencing now is even better than what I had imagined when I first started. Yeah. So it's worth the effort. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businessman? Sometimes when people first meet me, they will put me into that like bro markety guy thing just because I got a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. But if they hang out in my world, I start to kind of convert them over to like, this is this guy's less bro and more like my brother, like my friend, like person that I relate to. I try to be very real, very, you know, just authentic and direct. And I am who I am. And I'm like, how can I be a bro marketing person when 80% of my clients and listeners are freaking fe awesome rockstar females? So that, yeah. those, that, that doesn't coexist, all right? So I know like Ina's not hanging out with like bro marketing, pushy people type yeah. of person. So, you know. And I, and I can attest to that because I really believe you're one of the realest people that I've ever met out there. You know, like when you when you click with someone, like you and I don't spend a lot of time together, Adam, but I feel like every time we catch up I feel like I've known you forever yeah like, yeah right um so yeah I want you to like you have a friend in me even like you know we don't get to talk very often this is actually kind of nice like get to like, ask you all these questions <laughs> but uh, I totally attest to that you're not a bro you're my bro there we go <laughs> um finally if everybody who's listening had to do what you're about to tell them to do and they have to do it in the next 24 hours what would that thing be I'm going to, I'm going to flip this just a little bit. All right. And you've, you've seen me do this before. So you'll, you may know what's coming. I've, I've got this thing that I call the implementation alarm challenge. And I do this from stage. I do this when I speak on other people's podcasts. So instead of me telling you what to do, I think that you, I hope that maybe you had some sort of aha moment as you listen to Ian and I have this conversation and what I'm going to tell you to do is on your phone set an alarm for 24 hours from right now. And before that alarm goes off, I would just want you to do something that's in alignment with that aha moment. So maybe you're like, I need to write down my, my definite purpose statement, or I need to write down 20 topics that I could talk about on my podcast, or I need to reach out to Ian or reach out to Adam, like just set that alarm and do something 
that's in alignment before that alarm goes off and hold your and so what's going to happen to most people is that alarm is going to go off at 151 in the afternoon and the next day and you'd be like why is my phone alarm going off and you'd be like adam <laughs> so it's a sneaky way to get you to remember me again um but it's you know if you're listening on your phone which most people do then uh, this can actually work it's going to cause you to hold your own feet to the fire and actually implement on something that you learn because pot you know ina is putting out great information on her show but it's not just for entertainment if you don't implement then you're just sitting back and just going oh you know, the action step isn't listen to the next episode and consume all the episodes. It is do something from the episodes you're listening to. And that's how you should be consuming and then implementing. If you can develop that kind of relationship with this podcast and the other podcasts that you listen to, you're going to accomplish a lot more in life. So set that implementation alarm, do something in alignment with what you, your aha moment was from this episode. I love that. I think I'm going to do it. Um, so Adam, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and with your stories. Can you please tell everybody where to go and follow you and where to find you? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, first off, I appreciate you. You know, I just cherish you as a person, how you show up. You are, I would say, your top two on my Instagram, like must check what she's saying every single day. Aww. And the other one is a, a British uh, bulldog named Pablo that I look at. <laughs> He's got these little buttons that he stomps on when he wants food. It's totally cute. So you and Pablo are vying for my my top two Instagram, but I love how you show up. So for everybody honored. listening in, for everybody listening in, just know that you're in the right place. All right. Thank so you. that being said, uh, if you come and hang out in my world, uh, Instagram is my only social media platform. That's all that I focus on. I had somebody complain to me. They sent me a LinkedIn request three months ago. Like I deleted the app. I don't even go on LinkedIn uh, because mm -hmm. I don't, I only, I only work three days a week. I got to have one social media platform. Instagram at podcasting business school, DM me, uh, you'll get the real me. I don't have any bots. Uh, the only AI I use is Adam intelligence, which is that's a limited amount. And, um, you know, I, I answer all my own DMS. I'll voice DM you back. Adam uh, intelligence. I just got it. Adam intelligence. Get it? Limited, AI. Get it. The limited resource, limited resource. <laughs> so then if you want to check out my, my website is uh podcasting business.school. I've got a lot of great free tools for podcasters on there. I do a monthly PodPal Zoom party. Any podcasters are welcome on there. I do uh, podcast audit episodes every Friday. You can come on. I'll audit your podcast for monetization, growth, audience engagement opportunities. And I've got a pretty cool little tool called the Podcast Growth Scorecard that you can use to help get over that thousand downloads per episode. Mark, all that's on the website. Go get it. Come over to my house and play. Let's go. Love it. And all those links are going to be right there in the show notes. So Adam... Thank you so, so much. And we'll see you online. Much appreciated. Hey there, Ina here. After listening to this interview, you may be wondering what you missed. What did our guests share with me that was so hot? I couldn't even put it in the mainstream version of this podcast. Become a TGP Insider today and get access to all of our uncut interviews, as well as access to the behind the scenes of my six-figure coaching business through my Instagram close friend stories. Head over to theglobalphenomenon.com insider or click on the link in the show notes for all the details. And I'll see you inside our Facebook community for online coaches, where you can share what's going on in your business and connect with other amazing coaches in this space. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook or click on the link in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next one.